0: Welcome to episode 60 of the Narrative War Wargamer podcast. I am Tony Rhodes, and tonight I'm joined to by Jonathan Sharpie. Good evening. A good evening. It is good to have you back, and it is good to be back on uh, on the show again, because for the last, last month or so, um, it's been a little while since we managed to get recordings in, so if, if you are watching on YouTube, then for the last... Um, Last episode and um, an episode or two ago were the first of our Classics episodes. So um, if you are listening to the podcast um, on Spotify or whatever podcasting platform you're listening on, then um, you'll have had a monthly episode or so for the last um, two episodes, I believe. But on YouTube, uh, we have uh, been sticking to our two-weekly release schedule, where um, we recently had our first Classic episode with our interview with Chris Peach. And just the other week, we did actually put up our, <laughs> our first Halloween episode from back in 2021, which was good. That was our Hive of the Dead um, playthrough slash listening, as it were. That was a, a fun episode that I did that the, a couple of years ago. Was that later. the Choose Your Adventure one? It was, yeah. It was the Choose Your Own Adventure yeah. through the, the Games Workshop Choose Your Own Adventure book, The Hive of yeah. the Dead. Okay, um, I can
1: highly recommend to the people out there on YouTube to listen to that. Uh, you won't be disappointed. It's very fun.
0: It is. It's, it was a ton of fun to produce. It's actually a little bit more of an audio drama than a, uh, a podcast, is that particular episode, but mixed in with a sort of live play sort of element, you know, in your sort of RPG style um, game content. Um, and of course, Halloween themed of all the zombies and pox walkers and everything else and surviving the uh, hive of the undead. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, however, tonight we are back to a, a more standard and, uh, format where we're not so much talking about zombies and uh, hides of the dead, but more talking about space marines and other 40k adjacent stuff. Because um, yeah, so our our last mainline episode of the podcast was our um, Tyranid Crusade rules review episode uh, because. We, of course, don't bother with full in-depth tactical codex reviews, and meta-analysis when it comes to new releases here on the narrative blog in the podcast. Instead, we like to look at the Crusade rules and other elements of the new releases that maybe don't get as much attention on some of the um, channels and uh, podcasts and such. And uh, yeah, tonight's going to be no different. We're actually going to look at the Space Marine Crusade rules a bit. Um, But before that, um, it's been nice to just catch up with what we've been up to since it's been a couple of weeks so um, yeah, it's been a while since we've had you on the show Sharpie um, I mean not, not too long but it was a little while ago so uh, tell us what you've what have you been up to recently since we last had you on
1: Yeah so I mean I've, I've had a not so much hobby time but um, I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that um, I uh, in preparation for the Space Marine Codex coming out um, I've Painted up a unit of the, I believe, are they the Infernus Marines, the one with the flame flamethrowers.
2: Yeah, the big uh, unit the
1: Space Wolves. They're they're quite a a nice little unit. Um, pl- plenty of them on eBay at the minute uh, for a reasonable price. Uh, okay. If anybody wanted to pick them up. Um, and then I um, took my Space Wolves for a, for a spin the, um, a couple of weeks ago with the new Codex rules uh, against a friend who plays with the Necron army. Um, and that, that was quite enjoyable. Um, I was doing quite well. It was quite even until, um, I think my turn three, he blew up my land Raider and it blew up and killed the iron priest next to it. And the unit of suppressors that were stood behind it. It was, um, it was pretty, pretty mean spirited of him. And it it kind of changed the way that the game went. So that's the only game that I've played recently. But, um, uh, last, I think last time I was on, we were talking about some of the uh, the new releases that were coming out, and uh, you were you were talking about the Vampire team for Blood Bowl.
0: Yes, and, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> in hindsight, I'm surprised they weren't more of um, an October release.
1: Yeah, well, yes, absolutely. It would seem like it was, um, it, it was, it would be kind of the right time to do it. Um, now, I played Blood Bowl a lot. In my teenage years in the in the 90s and so you know when you spoke about the vampire team i i had a I had a bit of a rush of blood to the head and i went to start looking at uh, at some of the stuff that was out there again i knew that the, not long ago there had been a second edition of box set i said not long ago it was about two years wasn't it yeah. um and i've been listening to to a few few people's podcasts on blood bowl and then uh this week i picked up this the second edition box set um, and I also picked up the team that I uh, I played in the 90s, the undead team, and that's what I've been painting this weekend. Uh, I've currently got some mummies and some white blitzers on the table, good to go. So you say that we're not all about zombies and uh, things yeah. of the undead tonight, but as it turns out, that's exactly what I am doing.
0: Fair enough. Um Was that the the team that is very much sort of like Halloween-inspired, the one with the – I think there's like a pumpkin-head scarecrow. Um, uh, that's zombies. not that
1: one, no. The, that's the necromatic one, isn't it? It has a werewolf ah. in it and a couple of ghosts. This is the undead one. It comes with a couple of mummies, a couple of white blitzers, some zombies, some skeletons, and a couple of ghoul runners. So, ah, that's so good, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm picking yeah. up
0: at the minute. The, the more sort of like mean-spirited undead, as it were. Yes yeah <laughs> as opposed to but
1: the uh, obviously I've got some orcs and some some any human team to paint up as well because uh, they obviously come in the second edition box set so I'm looking forward to uh, getting the board out and having a game with that at some point in the future well,
0: have you uh, do you have plans to embrace the traditional uh, blood ball habit of going with pun names for either teams or players
1: um, I well I hope so. Yes, um, we'll we'll try we'll try and do my best. It's not one of my uh, my best traits, uh, coming up with imaginative pun names, but uh, I think it's got it's got to be, hasn't it?
0: Uh, I can't remember the old names of my original vampire players, but I do remember the team was called Fang Factor.
1: <laughs> nice one, <laughs> nice one.
0: Um, but yeah, I have um I have a pro elf team that have all got like elf pun names on um like Shakespearean characters. Oh <laughs>
1: um, okay, I'm to...
0: yeah, so the the idea with those was that um the they were the pro elf team, so they um they were like the Blood Bowl has his team that's basically like generic elves. So they they have a high yeah. elf team, a dark elf team, a wood elf team. But then they have yeah. the pro elf team, which is basically yeah, like pro elves are basically just generic universal elf, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, almost sort of like D and D style. the Elven
1: Union team now, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah. that that that's my team because I I uh, one of my teams because I, I like the way that they play. Um. But well, I always called them um, they were the Hail Mary Quins. Uh, um. And like I say, the the puns on all the player names were things like um, uh, Romeo Elf and Elf uh mcbell <laughs> um uh, well what else was there uh i think there was a mechoo is it Mich-U-C-L or something like that mccl whatever it was
2: from
0: mccl yeah, Mich-U-C-L. yeah. Mich-U-C-L. yeah. <laughs> um and then of course um there was the plan i did um, a version of the team on the football video game once which had to be a wood elf team because they didn't have the um uh, the elven union team Um, so I call the tree man Mulch Ado About Nothing. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, Nice one. (laughs)
0: Um, It's always great fun coming up with pun names for uh, Blood Bowl players. I highly recommend it. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah. um, In terms of 40k stuff as well, there have been a few other interesting reveals since the last episode. So uh, how about... uh, What's your opinion on one of the most contentious care models to be previewed in recent years? Long Legs McGee
1: himself, uh, s- Stilton McAdams. Um, I I actually <laughs> quite like it to be quite honest. I I I think it, you know, from from what I imagine of the Admech, you know, I don't think they go for aesthetically pleasing. They go for for whatever's functional. And I can imagine a sniper on stilts would would get the job done. I actually think it's quite good.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, funnily enough... I'd paint it. Yeah, I gonna say, funnily enough, I also love it. (laughs) I think it's great. I think it's so ad mech. Um, And, like, I, I think it's... The design space of the ad mech is somewhere where they can really explore the concepts of what humanity... Not necessarily the Imperium, like is and yeah. has been throughout, you know, the Warhammer universe, because um, they can like the the Mechanicum sort of almost harkens back to, um, I suppose, like twenty K, you know, I <laughs> suppose like thirty K, because um, the Mechanicum of Mars has been around for a long time, predating the Imperium. Essentially, it will have been founded as part of the Golden Age of Technology, you know, um, before the. Uh, Rise of the Men of Iron sort of brought about the end of the Golden Age of Humanity. Um, so, some of the stuff that can come up in the Advec line is sort of harkens back to that. And I love anything in the lore and in the models that like refer- like refers back to the Dark Age of Technology or the sort of yeah. the madcap stuff that humanity was once capable of doing and producing, and how it's shaped and. Um, Evolved when put through the filter of the Mechanicum and they like, in the zealotry of the um, praise of the Machine God and the Omnissiah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I'm, <laughs> yeah I mean, I've uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been I've subscribed to the Warhammer Plus for for a short period of time. Well, it might be a long period of time. Depends on how much. But I was watching. Um, is it? It was it the Angels of Death. Animation with the Blood Angels,
2: and yes. there's a
1: there's a tech priest in that animation that kind of um, sort of gives you a good idea about the, how how the Ad Mech sort of behave and um, you know they don't really care a great deal for for other things. I enjoyed I enjoyed that one, and I also enjoyed the um, the the Necron and Salamander one that was out recently. It was only a few episodes. Pri-Nexus. I think the Nexus, I think it was yeah. called yeah really it good. was
0: it was really good and this is the one criticism that i do have to keep leveling now at a lot of the one plus animations is and i get it, it's like a sort of problem to have as it were but it's like there's just not enough of it as in no the the individual series don't have enough episodes i feel like yeah. i wouldn't mind the release rate on the series if they were more like seven to ten episodes yeah. Eat. But I originally realized this with um the Exodite. The 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 animation that was about Tao <laughs> four things. And yeah. included Eldar. I've not seen that one not...
2: yet. Yeah.
0: It's it's funny, it's um the two main like protagonist races are Tau and Eldar, but no Exodites.
1: Okay. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah.
0: Um but the my issue with that one. Uh, was that it was only like three or four episodes long. I, yeah. I honestly thought that the um like the ending of the last episode, I was kinda of like, oh cool, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I it just felt like a um like an end of episode ending, you know like, like cliffhanger sort of thing. And it wasn't until yeah. it became apparent. I was like, oh I know it, that's it. Like I was I, I I felt like this is getting good. Like it's yeah. now built to the point where there's a nice crux of the narrative, and now the the rest of it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it, and then there was no more rest of it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: like but yeah, I, agree. I think I think, admittedly, there's supposedly meant to be a second season of The Exodite at some point, but so, you know that's probably going to be two years away given the release rate, you know, the stuff. Um, and then the same with um, Iron Within. I, I thought Iron Within was built as and the series, you know, like the Exodai, um, Prior Nexus, and so on. But it wasn't. It's just a single episode.
2: Right. It's, just
0: a si- it's just a single animation, and it's good. It's really good. It's probably one of the best ones. But again, I, w- I was like, oh, this is good. I'm looking forward to see where this goes. And then, realisation it was like, oh, it's just a one episode, it's just a one and done. Right. It's basically a short story, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then that, again... It's one of those things where my only criticism is I wish there was more of it.
2: Yes,
1: no, I agree.
0: Uh, which feels the, the a little...
1: Are... Yeah, go on. Yeah, the Prime Nexus I really enjoyed and then it just kind of seemed to to finish just as you seem to seem to get going and start enjoying it. So, um, I mean, like I said, yeah. I've only seen that and the... the, the the one with the blood angels so I've got plenty of other things to watch at the minute but uh, I suspect I might be felt wanting more judging by what you're saying
0: yeah I mean obviously perhaps you've gone about it the right way where you're in a position where you've come into it now and you've got a bunch of animations lined up to watch like you've got lots of things to go through as opposed to being up to date with it and watching everything as it comes out and then just being like waiting for more you know month on month yeah Um, I mean, that said the other series that personally I really enjoy is um, the Lawmasters series because I think it's a really um, interesting sort of listen, you know, sort of like podcast style format you just put it on while you're painting Um, and there's plenty of those Like they get them out pretty regularly and there's a whole back catalogue of them now, I'm not caught up on them all but I'm I'm nearly there
1: um, I watched I watched the Necron one that came out the other week. Yeah. That was, that was quite good.
0: They are good, like most of them are usually about 20 minutes long. If it's a particularly specialist subject, it's sometimes a bit shorter, so like the one yeah. about Necron death marks. Yeah. Like that's a bit more of a a narrow um area of uh, law than the ultra Marines chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like specific, death marks, isn't it? Yeah. Like the episode on Necron Deathmarks, I think, it was like fifteen minutes. Whereas like the Ultramarines one was like say thirty six, because that was a little bit longer.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and I was I was really thrown by the um, the Arks of Omen episode because I think to date, other than that one, they've all been about usually about twenty five minutes long, a long one being about thirty. The Arts of Omen episode was a full hour. But that's because all right, okay. it, so, the Arks of Omen, if you do have Warner Plus, and if you are interested in what the law within the Arks of Omen um, story arc was across all the books, basically that Law Masters episode is all the key points of the narratives across all the books. All right. Which is why it's like an cool. hour podcast, you know, sort of thing to listen to because it's all five books, you know, uh, broken down. Um, so, that's a good place to go listen to that, especially if you didn't. Buy all five books, which I imagine not many people did. No, nah. um, not all of them. I imagine people probably got one or two that interested them for the factions that they wanted, the boarding actions and stuff like that. And
2: yeah.
0: For example, world eaters play. Uh, well, not just like world eaters players, but anyone who was interested in hearing about Angron, you know, and like what he's doing now in the modern setting might have picked up the book about Angron, for example. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it's um. So generally it's, it's it's good and I do enjoy Wild Plus and I feel like I get my money's worth out of it, especially since now like the app has um like the Ali Golder app has elements of it tied to having a um a Wild Plus subscription. Um I feel I get my money's worth. Um I know other people may not and that's up to them. And...
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 i found it quite quite good. I like you say I've got plenty to watch at the minute. I've been I've watched some of the battle reports as well. I mean, you get I mean, the the miniatures are always painted really, really nicely, obviously, and um, it's it's done in quite a a bite sized chunk of time. It's usually about thirty minutes to watch a, to watch what's going on, isn't it? Which you know, when yeah, when you're they busy, are quite can, compact. Yeah, and um, I watched the Space Wolf and Orc one, and it was quite it was quite narrative. It didn't feel like uh, they were taking it too seriously with all the missions and stuff. So so yeah, I've I've quite enjoyed it really um you know in 10 months time when i've paid for a year i don't know where what my opinion will be for but at the minute it's it's been worth its money as far as i'm concerned
0: so i suppose you're you're still waiting on picking up your um your subscription model as well
1: um because it, you um, you mem- from what i can yeah. gather you have to be subscribed for quite a while don't you um,
0: it depends. Uh, if you're paying monthly, and uh, this is my understanding yeah. at last I was I checked it, I don't know if that is still the case, but if you pay monthly, you have to be subscribed to 12 consecutive months, and then you can claim it. Yeah. If you pay annually, you can claim it one month after your annual subscription starts.
1: Right, okay. So, um, no then, because I'm paying monthly. <laughs> well then,
0: there you go then. So, yeah,
1: I've, I already yeah. got mine, so because I it'll re- be about ten months. Which one did you go for?
0: So, funnily enough, I went for um, the Von Karstein Lady, the Age of Sigma model, which technically makes it my first ever Age of Sigma model. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, because personally I wasn't too bothered for the the single Stormtrooper Sergeant. I do think he's a lovely model. I think it's a lovely homage to that particular piece of artwork. And I can see why guard players in particular would like to have that model. Yeah. I personally didn't really have a need for it. If I was if I was gonna use it for anything, I'd have turned it into some sort of Necromander weirdo. Right. Like either become like a bounty hunter or a uh, a champion for a gang or something like that. You know, I I'd have done a little bit of like a head swap and a gear swap, you know, maybe swap the power sword for a different melee weapon, something like that. And Have him just be a sort of grizzled Necromunda fighter with carapace armor and other hotshot lats, you know. Um, but that would have been a bit for the sake of it. Yeah. Whereas with the von Karstein, I one, I feel like I could still do that exact same thing and turn it into yeah. a Necromunda weirdo and be sort of like an imperial nobility person. Um, yeah. you know, sort of like he's a, a wacko imperial noble who's come down to the hive in a all a gaudy um, like nobility gear but has sort of like refractor fields and you know other esoteric archaeotech tech built into it all um, and you can always 40k if I hit like I've done that with a few other old fantasy models um, my, yeah. My yeah. and my my psycho my chaos gang is a games day chaos sorcerer
1: alright <laughs> yeah yeah
0: um give it you yeah, put, put a, a gun on his hip and um, stick some grenades on his, on his pouches and Like he had like like a metal shoulder plate, um, which obviously is just meant to be sort of like segmented plate mail um, in fantasy, but painting the segments with hazard stripes on them suddenly makes it look like it's been like um, salvaged from you know some piece of industrial gear or something. Yeah, it works really well. Uh, um, (laughs) So I can do that with her if I want, or if. I ever get into Age of Sigma and I do ever come round to picking up an army and replaying it because I, I used to play around the Fantasy Battle I played through sort like 4th to 8th edition uh, I used to have a yeah. huge Vampire Counts army love my Vampire Counts I love all the lore of the first vampires and uh, Neferata and the Lamians and all the bloodlines and the Von Moncarstines and the uh, Blood Dragons and all the rest of it like um, I, I kind of love what they've done with the Striganoid line and how they've become the Ghoul Eater courts now it's yeah, it's really cool but <laughs> every time I learn more and more about inter of Law and every time I look more and more at what armies I would actually like to play <laughs> I find that every army I want to play is one of the different armies of death because I think if I were to pick one up the first army I would do would be Nighthaunt I love the Spooky Ghost army I think it'd look brilliant, I think I'd love painting mm-hmm. them, I love the way they'd play on the table, I think it'd be my first choice. But then second to that, I think I'd go back to my Vampire Camp roots and I'd get the Soul Blight and have the whole yeah. Vampire Army and the Deathrall Skeletons and the Whites and, you know, the Skeleton Cavalry and all the rest of it. But then I also look at the other Death Factions and I'm like quite like the idea of the Ossiarch Throne Reapers. <laughs> they yeah. seem pretty cool i i also like what the flesh eater courts have become how they're not just a unit of yep. subtype subtype in the de- uh the dead now they are they're not part of the vampire accounts they're their own thing um i i of all the god models that exist i love the model of nagesh i would love to have like the proper light in the Gash model it would just be great and i like you know what i feel i could probably just do a full grand alliance of undeath just yeah. what what four armies do you have all the death armies <laughs> <laughs> like, here's my vampires, here's my ghouls here's my bone reapers, here's my night horn and I, I think I just love it because there's so many different aspects of death even though back in the day they would evolve in small subsects of vampire counts. um yeah, yeah. Uh, the, there's some tangential links between the bone reapers and tomb kings in sense of aesthetics but narratively they're not linked at all and you know i Really like the concept of their bone constructs, they're not literal skeletons of things that used to be living. They're just what happens if necromancers just decide to use bones as a material and they can make whatever they want out of it. but Back to 40k, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, having gone on right, our slight so we, talking, we,
1: talking, with... we started this segment by talking about that ad model. Um, what, <laughs> what about the new necron models? as 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 somebody who plays a lot of uh, a lot of necron stuff okay i thought you were going to ask me about that new necron overlord model which which i have to say is and i cannot wait i cannot wait to get my hands on that model and paint it up (laughs) i think it looks awesome
0: it's so clever isn't it like funnily enough just to touch back a little bit on <laughs> the H-Sigma thing, one of the things I love so much about the Nighthorn models is the way that Games Workshop sculpting has evolved to make yeah. use of negative space.
1: Yeah. yeah agreed. I've like, been... To to um, to um buy my Blood Bowl models, I actually sold my Nighthorn to uh, Army last week. Um, <laughs> but they were, they were thoroughly enjoyable uh, to paint, and I was drawn in by exactly like you said, that I, you cannot believe how they can make solid models look like they're empty, empty air, um, and they are a joy to paint. Uh, I just was never going to get round to playing Age of Sigma. Um, I don't get to play 40k enough, really, as far as I'm concerned. So, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely brilliant models.
0: Yeah, like I mean and the um, yeah, the new Lord of Translocation uh, Shroud is. So cool! It takes, it, it it looks like it takes so many of the sort of elements of what they were doing with the Void Dragon, um, yeah. mixes it a little bit with some of the I would say almost like Harlequin esque models they've had in the yes. past. Um, it's a little bit like
1: the Psychomancer as well.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Psychomancer and a couple of the new sort of Kryptex. Um Yeah. And yeah, like I, I feel like it's it gives me uh, vibes a little bit of um, Kaiganel the um, yeah. Harlequin that comes with Fenwell Stern yeah um, because of the sort of like uh, floating tesse- uh, tessellating like squares and things that he's walking on
2: um,
0: yeah it has that some similar feel with a Translocation Shroud and a fun fact like Necrons are, well, one of my other 8th um, edition armies which have since been shelved just because of project time um, and I've not got round yeah. to reviving them or <laughs> reanimating them, rather.
1: Um, reanimating them, yeah.
0: Uh, but I would love to, eventually, when I find the time, maybe perhaps after my Demons are in a place where I'm happy with them. Um, yeah. But the, the Dynasty that I always really liked narratively, um and from both lore and how their sub faction rules often manifested in eighth and ninth edition. Um was the um it's not the Nahach that's the other one, it's the other one begins and end. The um is it the Nefillarar or something?
1: Ne- yeah. Nef um yes, another one you mean?
0: Yeah, I can't remember the pronunciation of it. Like, I I know it, and I just like say, I know it's not the Nahalik dynasty; it's the other N dynasty. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, but basically, their whole shtick is that their necrodermis is all made from like gold alloy. Um, so they're basically like this is the gold legion. It's so, like all their warriors and stuff have the sort of like golden, um, coloring to them rather than sort of like metal or brass. Um, and in the law what that mechanically does is um, in the way that like gold is a better conductor of electricity um, the gold alloy in the necrodermis is better for translocation effects Um, and their whole dynasty is capable of making use of translocation abilities more easily and with more precision than other dynasties so they basically sort of like their armies phase a lot more, like even the infantry yeah. troops and stuff, they just translocate through things and they basically do like short-range teleport jumps all the time. A little bit like how the, um, the Grey Knights mechanically work now in edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, this model, the new Translocation Shroud Lord, is basically that concept, represented in miniature form now, and it looks great.
2: <laughs> yeah. And
0: I would love to sort of take that and extrapolate that idea across other units in the army and like mechanically now we know that he gives the ability to the unit that he joins to basically do the sort of like teleport jumps um but like mechanically that would have been like the army wide rule for that dynasty yeah for ninth edition. so he, he sort of represents everything that i want my necrons to be um and yeah, I, I think it, it, it looks so good. And even um Imotech's recent like reimagining is still um yeah. really nice for him. So it's, like, it's a bit like what they did with Snick what they did a little bit with Farsight. Um they basically yeah. have not changed much fundamentally about the character model, they've just sort of made him anew. Um, although he literally has the same pose.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Which,
1: yeah, they're not strayed too far from the base material, have they? <laughs>
0: no interesting choice for him because it is one of those things where the pose is probably one of for non-Necron players the pose is probably the thing that most people identify him as being in Rotech the Stormworld more so than his actual Necrodermis body yeah. and weaponry and all the rest of it because only if you're a Necron player do you really recognize it Um, like how <laughs> I was talking to um, a fellow friend and Orc player recently how only Orc players really typically can identify the weapon parts that are used in different Orc weapons, because custom mega blasters and their range of weapons all have the same sort of base level Orc components across the Games yeah. Workshop case. Um And the same is true of things like um, uh, Bubble Truckers, um, Smasher Guns, Tractor Cannons. These all have the same base level components, but if you're not an Orc player, you're not going to be able to tell. Most people won't know the difference between a Power Cell Fuel for a ball trucker and a Power Cell Fuel for a Custom Mega Blaster. Right. But they do yeah. exist. They are there. They are sculpted uniquely. And if you're an ARC player, you may well recognize that fact. Same with a lot of Necron stuff. Like, only Necron players yeah. really are going to know the difference between your Imotech The Storm War and your um, Nemesaur, um I'm gonna forget his name, but I do know him now.
1: Traces the infinite.
0: Yeah, you trace the infinite. you the diviners. You. Yeah. Um, Anorak Anarak the traveler. Yeah, um, I don't think he's called Anorak. <laughs> I think he's called Anorak. Or I don't think but... he's called
1: Anorak Now I think he might just be anrak Is he? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, oh, it's Illuminor Arras. That's it. That's his title. Illuminor Yes. Yeah. But like, I know the models, I recognize them, I know the difference between them. But to a lot of people, if it was just a lineup of models, they probably just think they were just different Necron Lords. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Like, I understand why his pose is almost in a way part of his character. And, um, but I would be It, oh, to it just you.
1: reminds me like he's shaking his fist at someone <laughs> with his hand up in the air.
0: Um, I think it's an interesting choice where they have moved him to being um, a free handed uh, sorry free handed. That's a that's a Gene Steeler thing. No, a free fingered yeah. hand.
2: Yeah.
0: Um that slightly alien um concept mm. where just just something about him just looks off and it's not until he because he only has three fingers on the thumb as opposed to four in yeah. the thumb. Um just gives you that slightly more inhuman aspect to it, which is a nice touch. Lots of interesting things it's in like the pipeline. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the AdMech and the Necrons are like. Um, presumably, maybe seeing releases sometime soon before the end of the year around Christmas.
1: I'm, I'm getting the feeling it's probably going to be in the, in the next couple of weeks or so. They don't yeah. tend to have a very long um, gap between showing stuff and making people wait for it anymore, do they? So. No. I suspect it will be out pretty soon.
0: And then we'll... Uh... And then we'll see what's um, coming in the new year and when. I think Dark Angels might be the first thing on the docket for the new year
2: at Yeah,
1: some point. there's some Orcs coming, isn't there? Some Chaos Space Marines, I think, are fairly mm-hmm. early on at some point. I think,
0: I think Orcs are meant to be summer next year, roughly based on Somewhere the world path it. that they get us. Yeah. Okay. I, think they're, I think they're in the middle of the releases post-2023. Okay. Um, so we'll see. But what we do have to hand though is the new releases for the Space Marines. So um, you do. alluded to, yeah, you alluded to a little earlier um, your first couple of games with the Codex. Um, what are your sort of general first impressions of playing with a Codex army in 10th Edition?
1: Um, it's it's nice to have a choice um, of detachments. I, I think the detachments work um, pretty well. Um, I, I'm a Space Wolves player. So, um, there is obviously a Space Wolf Detachment that I could use, um, but, but I've, we've discussed in the past my feelings on the Space Wolf Detachment and how uh, waiting for certain things to happen, to have an army rule, doesn't seem as fair as those people who have an army rule from the second they put their their models on the board. I use the um, the one that's the white Scarzi one. Is it the Storm Lance? Um, I think is it the storm? I think it might be the Storm Lance.
0: Is it the uh, one that's all the about Storm
1: Lance Task Force? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Advance, advance and fall back and charge, which was really good for uh, for the for Space Wolves. Worked really, really well. And only having six um, stratagems to, to choose from, on top of the core stratagems, I thought worked really, really well. Um, you've got some decisions to make about whether you want. Which detachment you want to use uh, if you want access to certain stratagems um i thought it was it, it worked quite well um the the book is is it's okay and um, there's some nice fluff in there but you know when you've had a space marine codex for the last three editions um there's a certain familiarity that keeps coming through with the uh, with the fluff that's in it um so yeah i mean what what was different uh, was the uh, Crusade rules between the last Space Marine Codex and this one. Um, because when when we agreed to do this podcast, I had to actually go back and look at what was in the Space Marine Crusade rules. I know I know we've sat and talked about the Necron uh, Codex from Ninth edition and through, we've talked through the Crusade rules there, and perhaps we felt originally it didn't have a great deal in it, and they... They kind of bulked it up with some White Dwarf rules, but my oh my, well, did the Space Marines get done dirty in the last set of uh, Crusade rules, didn't they? Actually, yeah, yeah. it was, um, they yeah, so there, there wasn't anything. a lot in it. Well, no, well, no, yeah. no they, they, they had agendas, requisitions, battle traits, and they had what were called honorifics, didn't they? Which you could only give yeah. to captains. So, yeah. literally, the only things that really got better in your army were your, were your captains. Or but, if it, uh, someone died, you could turn it into a dreadnought. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Which was fun, yeah. but like I say, it wasn't really much, and even then, no. um, with later Warzone expansions and so on, they only really got the addition of um, taking some fancy upgrades for uh, banner bearers, you know, for the chapter agents, yeah. um, which was yeah. fun, but... Um but yeah, so I take it then has it expanded a little bit in uh intent
1: yeah they do actually have s- something that happens like in most um, codexes now um Dan talked and Ty and his about um them having different stages of their invasion well yeah um, space so- Marines yeah. now go on oath sworn campaigns
0: Ooh, sounds interesting yeah go on
1: it, yeah so they're so they're essentially you, you commit to doing one of three types of oath sworn campaign okay? and each of these campaigns will usually take three battles I say usually because as we find out in a minute you can extend that if needs be and the three types of oathsworn sworn campaign are called an un- unflinching bulwark uh, which is kind of a defense based campaign you can have mm-hmm. a precision strike Which is more of an attacking uh, type campaign, and then uh, the last one's called the Forging of Legends, uh, which is primarily based around sort of your characters and um, all the wonderful sort of exciting things that you know the the sort of the heroes of humanity might get up to over a campaign on a on a planet.
0: Would uh, Would some certain sons of Fenris perhaps refer to these as a saga, maybe?
1: Yes, they probably would describe them as a saga. Yes, yeah, so, so it's it, straight off the bat, it's better than it was, obviously. Um, each of the Oathsworn campaigns comes with um, uh, an extra requisition and three bonus agendas that you could use, um, which is quite good. So, for instance, if if you were doing the Unflinching Bulwark, uh, Oathsworn campaign they have a requisition for one RP that's called the Fortification Network. Okay, So, purchase this requisition before a battle. Do not roll off to determine the attacker and defender for that battle. Instead, you are automatically the defender. If your opponent (laughs) uses the same or a similar rule to become the defender, ignore both rules and instead determine the attacker and defender normally. So, if you want to definitely be the defender in the battle, you can use that one. You can probably guess what the requisition is for the attacking one. <laughs> is it by it's any chance Storms always being the attacker? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. And then the requisition for the Forging of Legends is, a, is one requisition point. Purchase this requisition after a battle in which your Warlord was not destroyed. Select one character unit that participated in the battle, excluding your Warlord, and that character unit gains 5 XP.
0: So <laughs> the requisition of look at me. Yeah, uh,
1: pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. um So while you're taking part in these oathsworn campaigns, you're also gaining what are called honor points. Uh, yes. Okay, the, the, so, the obligatory
0: faction-based point system. Hopefully yes, absolutely.
1: So the honor points are gained through uh, winning um, battles and you get different honor points with different size battles so an incursion will give you two honor points if you win a strike force game it's three honor points and if you're doing a crusade game at onslaught level then you'll get five honor points for winning okay you also get honor points for completing Some of the um, special agendas that you can take for whichever Oathsworn campaign that you're choosing to have. So, for instance, if you were doing the defensive one, okay, one of the bonus agendas is called Priority Kill Zone and uh, each time an Adeptus his unit from your Crusade army that is within your deployment zone destroys an enemy unit that is within range of an objective marker your Crusade force gains 1 honor point to a maximum of 3 so it's rewarding you for standing still and shooting uh, the living bejesus out of anything that moves across the board because you're an unflinching bulwark and you don't want to go careening up the table
0: <laughs> so maybe you might be conceding the uh... The primary points on that particular mission, but to, damn it, you're going to be you're going to be honourable while doing it.
1: You're going to be honourable all the same, absolutely, yes. And it's all about honour, isn't it? Okay. If you were if you were to look at um, uh, Precision Strike, um, they've got one called the Tip of the Spear. At the end of the battle, if your Warlord's unit is within six inches of your opponent's battlefield edge, or wholly within your opponent's opponent's deployment zone, if your opponent does not have a battlefield edge, your Crusade Force gains three honor points. So that's rewarding you for doing the opposite and just getting out there and advancing up the board, killing I, things. And
0: I love that personally. I, I love any mission or like Crusade Rule or equivalent or anything that rewards you for being at the other end of the table. You know, like just getting yep. across the table, surviving, punching through and getting to, you know, whatever target location by the end of the game.
2: That, that, we did it. it.
1: We're here. We've made it. Yeah. I mean, it, you, can it like it which, yeah, yeah. you can obviously see which Yeah. Yeah. You could obviously see which of the Oathsworn campaigns I would probably take with my space wolves. <laughs> um and it seems unlikely that I'm going to stand there and shoot things. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, and then finally if we have a look at one of the agendas for the Forging of Legends Oathsworn campaign Um, uh, Shall we go with um, Hunting the Behemoth Each time a character unit from your crusade army destroys an enemy monster or vehicle unit with a melee attack your crusade force gains two honour points to a maximum of four So yeah, so that rewards heroes doing heroic things
0: I mean, this definitely sounds like it should be the, uh, the Space Wolf based um Yes, In crusade yeah. system. I mean, I mean, admittedly as well, it also feels like this would be a good pairing for things like the Dark Angels, um, because yeah. they're a little bit of an all rounder. Like they they, they could yeah. do a very defensive campaign. They could do a, a very yeah. aggressive one. But also, if you're throwing around yeah. the likes of Azrael or the Lion or whatever else, you know, the deeds of champions, I'm sure, would be another good option for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they would fit quite nicely into that one, wouldn't they? I can see how if you took an Ultramarines force, and the fact that they're quite sort of flexible in the way that they play, you could, you could have several oathsworn campaigns, you know, using yeah. each of the three yeah. different types.
0: I was about to say. So that was like one of my questions then at this point. So obviously you, we've got these three different approaches, and yes, you yeah. know, it feels like Imperial Fists will probably be defending, you know, Black Templars will yeah. probably be attacking and stuff like that. But yeah. You say that these campaigns are only three games long, so yep. by game four, you could feel free to switch up your Crusade Force or your tactical approach and yep. play a defensive game instead of a defensive one for the next three games.
1: Absolutely, yeah. If you were thinking is- you were going to play three different opponents, if you came across you know, your next couple of games are Orcs and Tyranids and you know that they're going to swarm across the table, maybe you you decide that you do want to stand still and... Shoot at them lots for half the game. That
0: would be quite fun, actually, at your local club for like, you know, three weeks or however, you know, how regularly um, you're attending. But like, you could just be like, right, my next three games, I'm going to be playing defensively. Who wants to come and have a go? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Each week it's just like, I'm going to be defending my position, and uh, this is, I'll probably, like, you could even in that scenario be like, Using your local club terrain, set the terrain up identically for three weeks. Yeah. And just have three opponents try and break your defenses. And yeah. you actually get to play out your crusade rules while doing that and complete your, you know, crusade of honor because you didn't let the yeah. the, the walls be breached or so on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's, there's flexibility in there, isn't there, for, for doing different things. Um,. So yeah, you can you can obviously stick with with what you like and do the same one repeatedly, or you can change things around. I suspect that might depend on uh, what army you've you've got. Um, yeah, you I would suspect with my space wolves, and so on. Yeah, it would it would either be precision strike or the forging of legends, but I suppose I could give unflinching bulwark a a go if needs be. <laughs> So yes, so you're so you're taking part in, in these uh, these wonderful um, oathsworn campaigns. You're uh, gaining honor through honor points um, for for winning battles and completing your bonus agendas. Um, um, but what do you do at the end of your your oathsworn campaign with all these honor points? I hear you asking me, you know, because it's all right having honor points, but surely you're going to want to to spend some honor points on something so after an oath sworn campaign has ended your honor points are reset to zero for every five unspent honor points lost in this way you can grant one xp to a unit of your choice from your order of battle so you can spend them on something and then anything that you have got left it gets reset to zero and for every five you can give xp to a unit of your choice but what can you spend these honor points on well i'm glad you've asked that question because whereas in the old Space Marines, basically only your captains could get better, you can spend your honor points on lots and lots of things now. Every single uh, type of leader, character leader, in a Space Marine army can be upgraded um, to to its high, higher level. So a captain will go up to a chapter master, um, an apothecary, apothecary can go up to a chief, chief apothecary, um, Tech Marine can go to Master of the Forge. Obviously, you can upgrade a Chaplain and a Librarian and so on and so on. So, different uh, characters um, are upgraded using different amounts of um, honor points. So, a Chapter Master, you would need to get a Chapter Master, you would need 25 honor points. But to get a Chief, apothe- a chief Apothecary, you only need 10 honor points. And when you do this, okay, and you upgrade them, then you get to choose one of two different traits, well, they're called battle honours, that you can give to that character. So, for instance, if you upgraded a captain to a chapter master, you can either choose to be Master of the Codex or Master of Combat. So a Master of the Codex would be once per battle, after you've selected your Oath of Moment target, select a second enemy unit, Until the start of your next command phase, that second enemy unit also counts as your Oath of Moment. Or, if you are the Master of Combat, once per battle in your command phase, this model can use this ability. If it does, until the end of the turn, add two to the damage characteristic of weapons equipped by this model. So is your chapter master going to benefit the whole army, or is he just going to become a bit of a beatstick himself? It's totally up to you, that's your choice.
0: Yeah, do you want a um well, would that be like a would that be a damage four or five Thunder Hammer, for example?
1: I'm uh, not sure they are be... these days. Uh, I think they're two, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I think they are two, I but still two. like Yeah. yeah
2: just yeah, getting four. plus That's two damage.
0: Nasty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or um your your Gravis captain with dual power fists.
1: Yeah. Punching. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Is there um, another type like of it.
1: character that you'd like to to look at in terms of what what they could choose between? Um
0: oh go on uh, so because what I was going to say actually was uh, it's interesting that this is where these upgrades now live because um upgrades for things like master of sanctity chief apothecary all that they were rife in ninth edition you know Green yeah, now, absolutely they, they were very much like staples of um the way the armies played and yeah. in match play that was paid for with points upgrades but even in ninth yeah. edition in crusade um, you typically had to unlock those things by experience you know by having level ups yeah. in the characters and then they could take the upgrades um that was a common thing across lots of armies lots of things had like you know upgraded versions of characters which were paid for points or with experience in crusade so actually i assume there is no such equivalent for those in the standard space marine codex now in your standard gameplay nope. stuff is
1: there no yeah. you cannot have a master of the forge or achieve apothecary anymore that only occurs in crusades
0: yeah, so actually, this is a really interesting Crusade exclusive mechanic now, you know, for these factions. Yeah. So, tell us about the Chief Apothecary, probably one of the core aspects of Space Marines yeah. in Ninth Edition. What does it now look like in yeah. 10th Edition Crusade?
1: Okay, so it, uh, it costs 10 Honor Points to turn an Apothecary into a Chief Apothecary, and they can choose between Selfless Healer or Battlefield. Uh, Chirurgi? Chir- chir- I don't know what that word is. Chirurgi. I will go with that. Yeah. Correct me if I'm some fa- some wrong. Some uh, fancy so selfless- word
0: for like field surgery, I think.
1: <laughs> yes, I think it is. Yes, yeah. just surgeon. Battlefield surgeon is what we're going to go with then. <laughs> selfless heather. So, Tacticus apothecary model only. So I'm assuming that's just a normal uh, one, isn't it? Yes, because the other option is the gradest one. Was Gravis, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. this can. So... I
0: suppose this this is because narratively the Gravis Apothecary is not a healer. He's not going around healing yes. people. He, he's a scientist. Yeah, he's just
1: collecting samples, isn't he? Yeah. 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 So so while this model is leading a unit, models in that unit have the Feel No Pain five plus ability. Which well, yeah, I'm guessing.
0: I'm guessing that might be better than what he's a standard six of Feel No Pain that the Apothecary gives. Yeah. The squad yeah, that he's leaving. Um, I don't I quote me on it. that, but I'm guessing that's what that apothecary normally does.
1: Yeah, I'll see if I can find it.
0: Which, as an orc player, I can tell you that a five plus feel no pain from your medic is exceptional Like my pain boy is great <laughs> for that exact bonus. Uh, so
1: yeah, it doesn't have a feel no pain. It has a narth- narthe... While this model is leading a unit in your command phase, you can return one destroyed model to that unit. Um, ah, okay. So, so so it's replacing them, but awesome. also giving them a fill no five up fill no pain, which is pretty good. Yeah. Means they're gonna keep putting them back. Um or you could go for the other one, which was at the end of your at the end of the battle if your crusade army included this model and it was not destroyed during the battle, you can ignore up to two failed out-of-action tests taken for infantry units from your crusade army. Those tests are treated as having been passed instead.
2: Ooh, that's pretty good.
0: Cause yeah. So do you want it to...
1: on the battlefield or do you want it to keep things tickety-boo at the end of the game?
0: Yeah, because if you're if you're playing a lot of crusade games um, then having two infantry units being able to ignore failed out of actions is yeah. probably in most cases um, probably going to be ignoring most out of action failures that you get in a, like a standard 2000 point game for your infantry units. Yeah. Um, so it, it's sort of like rendering um that protection against most battle scars for a lot of things. But like you say, it doesn't help you in the game. It helps yeah. you after the game, which is a nice balance. So I'm guessing the Master of the Forge probably has a similar ability, which will be for vehicle units that um, get to ignore failed out-of-action tests.
2: Uh,
1: right, so Master of the Forge, uh, can have, it can have the Liturgy of Resanctification... Um, each time this model uses its blessing of the Omnissive ability, the Selective Vehicle regains up to D3 plus 3 lost wounds instead of D3. <laughs> and
2: then it can D3 also have... Sh-
1: yeah, minimum 4 wounds back. That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> it um is. Each time this model uses its blessing of the Omnissive ability, until the start of your next Command phase, the selected Vehicle has a 4-up invuln inv- inv- save, in addition to that ability's other effect. So it doesn't have a post-game one, but it has two very, very nice in-game ones.
0: Wow. I mean, um, again, as a seasoned Necron player, I'm sure you're familiar with the advantages of a Chronomancer giving an inbound yes. to a vehicle that doesn't typically have one.
1: Yep, I certainly do.
0: <laughs> so yeah, they, they both sound good. Um, yeah, so go I mean, they,
1: they all have some really, really good choices, which is Did which, we, is, which um... makes it nice.
0: Did we leave out just one? Um, was it the Chaplain? Or uh, We don't need to bother go through all the details, but what were the list of options that we haven't covered? So who else can get upgrades?
1: So um, so, so you could have a Chapter Master, a Chief Apothecary, uh, a Chaplain can be upgraded to a Master of Sanctity, Tech Marine to a Master of Forge, uh, Company Heroes can be up- upgraded to Honor Guard, uh, Chief Librarian, and a Chapter Ancient. Ah, That's what okay. you can have.
0: Out of interest, then one last one. Tell us about the chapter ancient. I'm curious to know what the uh, the banner bearer the does. Chapter you know, ancient. So here.
1: 15 honor points. Okay, um, and they can either be a steadfast example or a pennant of the fallen. So if they're a steadfast <laughs> exactly. example, it gives them a it gives them an aura. While an adeptus astartes unit from your army is within six inches of this model, add one to the objective control characteristics of models in that unit. So it's Good. basically a spoilpox Scrivener Space yeah. Marines.
2: <laughs>
1: um, or it can be a Pennant of the Fallen. While this model is leading a unit, each time a bodyguard model in that unit is destroyed by a melee attack, if that model has not fought this phase, roll 1d6. On a 2+, do not remove it from play. The destroyed model can fight after the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks and is then removed from play.
0: Ooh, okay, so obviously I could tell where that language was going, um, but when you said yeah. roll a dice, I was like, ah, oh, it's going to be a four plus, isn't it? I and mean, then that's going
1: to be available. Uh, two plus.
0: Yeah, so the fact that it's a two plus trigger to get to fight on death is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, gonna kind
1: of play guard unit
0: again. Whether you're playing a defensive campaign and you want your additional OC, or if you're playing. An aggressive campaign, and you want to be getting up in your opponent's face, and uh, yep. both have good uh, good uses.
1: Yeah, so so obviously you can also um, try and uh, reassign and promote units in your army as well. So it's not just the characters that can benefit from honor points. Um, there are oh, three okay. uh, different, yeah, there are three different types of sort of assignment and promotion um, um, things that you can choose to do so the first is called um reserve and battle company assignment and that that basically means you select either an eliminator incursor infiltrator reaver scout or suppressor squad okay and for five honor points you can replace it with either an aggressor assault intercessor assault intercessor with jump packs desolation eradicator heavy intercessor hellblaster inceptor infernus or an intercessor squad so you're basically taking your kind of advanced uh, type units and turning them into more core sort of tacticus units there, but
0: the key point is that they retain their experience in battle honours um, yep. and everything else. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's just sort of rearm, reequip, you know, uh, switch unit out sort of thing. So narratively, it's the same squad of guys but they've been assigned yep. on a different duty, so they've been given new equipment and a new company and all the rest of it. So, yeah, yep. like, the same fighters, same experience, the new weapons and armour to fight the next yep. campaign. with.
1: Yep. And then you can have a first company promotion, so you can probably Ooh. expect where this is going. So, <laughs> select one infantry or mounted squad. You can spend five honour points to replace the selected unit with one of the following units. Um, Blade Guard Veterans, Company Heroes, Stern Guard Veterans, Terminator Assault Squad, or a Terminator Squad. Uh, in addition, if the unit you select has the Terminator Honors battle trait, this promotion costs zero on the points.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So there's a little, uh, little sort of a hint there as to what might be coming up in a in a couple of minutes. Um, oh, that's cool. And then the last one for. Is company command promotion. Um this is ten honour points, and you select one Lieutenant model, you can spend ten honor points to replace that model with one captain model. So he gets a promotion and you get a second captain in your army. Oh, no nice,
2: captain.
0: Uh, anyone that decides to bring um Lieutenant Typhus can eventually redeem him and get him back to being captain status.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does say excluding epic heroes in the uh, in the text here. So maybe not.
0: But yeah, no, that's interesting. That's that's really cool, actually. The ability to like to promote your I'm, lieutenants I'm, into captains.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like it because the the honor points, and they give you lots of flexibility to change your um, your 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 your, um, your entire set of units around. You can obviously upgrade, change things around. So if you wanted to to go from um, one of your of the different oaths one campaigns to a different one then obviously if you were doing if you're doing precision strike and attacking and you decided you're going to do unflinching bulwark you could perhaps take out a couple of units and swap them in for you know a heavy intercessor squad or an inceptor squad that has a bit more heavy firepower that kind of thing so it's quite fluid and it's certainly better than the old space marine one where the only thing you could upgrade was captains okay there's there's something for everything here
2: yeah, I, I have to say place. as well
0: that um, I think my favorite thing there is the first company promotion. Like, yeah, there's a part of it that I absolutely love, and it's the idea that everybody has those hero sergeants or that hero squad that just somehow miraculously, you know, seem to do well every game or survive the impossible yeah. odds, and like. They'll probably become the units that you like to put XP into because it's like, oh, this squad of assault intercessors have just done really well. They always to do really well from every yeah. the game. Always kill something fantastic, or they never quite die to a last man. Yeah. And after your campaign, you'll have enough hero points to be like, they're going to become blade guard now. Like they're yes. going to be promoted to the first company, and you know that when you put your blade guard models on the table in future, you can actually recount the story of like. This guy, this blade guard, used to be my uh, assault intercessor sergeant, and he killed a Carnifex by himself. So now yep. he's a blade guard.
1: <laughs> he refused to die under the odds. Uh, so yeah, no, it's great. I think I think it works really well, doesn't it? It yeah, definitely it... feels more space mariney than it than it has done in the past. So so yeah, lo- lots of stuff moving forward. Um, do you want to look at some agendas?
0: Yeah, go on then. So, these, so are these a couple of like um, universal space marine agendas that any of the yeah. campa- honour campaigns also have access to?
1: Yeah, so so you've got, there's, there's four agendas and there's four requisitions and then obviously um, whichever Oathsworn campaign you take, there's another requisition and then three uh, agendas that you can choose or if you want to, you can randomly generate them because they have a little dice symbol above them. Um, if that's what you wanted to do. Um, so there are, there are four agendas. There's one called Angels of Death. One called No, No Fear. One called Armoured Assault. And one called Quest of Atonement. Um, so um, Angels of Death, for instance, is at the end of the battle, if there are no enemy units on the battlefield, each Adeptus Astartes unit from your Crusade army that is on the battlefield gains 2 XP and your Crusade force gains 2 honor points.
0: Yeah, Get tabling your opponent is considered honourable.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, incredibly honourable. Um, Armoured Assault, then. Well, let's have a look at another one. Armoured Assault. At the end of the battle, each vehicle unit from your Crusade army that is not destroyed gains 1 XP, and each vehicle unit from your Crusade army that is destroyed but itself destroyed two or more enemy units during the battle gains 1 XP. <laughs> so, if you're going vehicle heavy, there's a, there's a reason to do that. To be fair, and the, then, the space marine agendas don't tend to give too many honor points out. You tend to have to do the the ones that are specific to each oath, oath sworn campaign. Um, yeah, that's good. So it's like it's,
0: like in, it's more players. yeah, it's more encouraging you towards your sort of campaign based agendas. You know, to sort yeah. of play into that mechanic. Um, yeah. What I am curious though is. Please do tell us what the agenda is for No No Fear because I believe tenth edition might possibly be the first ever edition, maybe since second, where No No Fear is not actually an army rule for Space Rings because it it doesn't exist. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just curious what it's become.
1: Yeah, it's not a massive surprise. Uh, At the end of the battle, each adeptus to unit from your Crusade army that did not fail a battle shot. Test during the battle gains one XP. If that unit did not fail the battle shock test and is below half strength, it gains two XP instead.
0: Uh, nice. So you're being rewarded an,
1: for not failing.
0: Yeah, that's a nice extra little clause where it's like you know, obviously the idea is don't fail checks, but if you were in a position where you were having to take them and didn't yeah. fail, you get more rewarded.
1: Yeah, yeah. I cool. mean, I mean, I think I would probably take that one anyway. Yeah. Because. I mean, you're going to take battle shock tests. You're probably not going to fail too many of them with space marines.
0: Certainly so um, not across your army. Like you'll only have one um, or two units which have to take them enough that they might fail them once or twice a game.
1: Yeah, that that feels to me like that's probably like an auto take as one of your agendas, really.
0: Um, <laughs> well, also leads a lot into this idea of either you know, uh, all the in-depth as duty end, because technically the best yes. way to avoid battle shock test, tests is just get your units killed. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, so, and what have we got next? Requisitions. like I said, there are four requisitions. Um, so there's there's one called a legacy preserved for one requisition point. Uh, Vaunted triumph also for one requisition point. Uh, one called Enduring Duty, which is two requisition points, and then one called Even in Death I Still Serve for one requisition point. Now yeah. I'm willing to, uh, you can, can you? guess, without me reading what Even in Death I Still Serve the serve is about. So I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Enduring Duty, which I think is a really nice one. It's the two two RP one. Purchase this requisition after the third battle in the North Swan campaign. You may participate in one additional battle before that Oathsworn campaign ends. So if you haven't quite got enough honor points, then and you think actually, you know, I want you know a couple more honor points because I want to upgrade that that apothecary to achieve apothecary, then you can actually extend the Oathsworn campaign by one game, one battle, just to try and get you over the line and to make sure you've got the honor points you want to put back into your army for the next one
2: nice
0: did, did, do you know what that
2: nice.
0: yeah do you know what that reminds me of it feels very like narratively appropriate that reminds me of the moments when like gazgul fracker decides to leave armageddon and then uh, high marshal helbrecht is like yeah screw that you're getting away i'm jumping on the eternal crusader and just yeah. flying after you, yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. like i will also yeah. abandon armageddon right now because i'm chasing you like this isn't over the <laughs> sort of attitude
1: yes we're not done yet i can do this all day yeah back here (laughs) yeah so yeah so they're quite they're they're decent um and then we've got some battle traits um obviously so um the the battle traits go for um infantry mounted units scout company units first company units and vehicles so, if you were to look at the infantry and mounted units one uh, there's one here called terminator honors that's a surprise Ooh. isn't it yeah select one model in this unit if this unit contains a unit champion such as a space marine sergeant you must select that model add one to the attack characteristic of the selected model's melee weapon and unless uh, the selected model is a character add one to its wounds characteristic unless okay character, so it makes the sergeant better
0: then it gives
1: you a two wound sergeant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, been, it's an extra one, isn't it? Because they tend to have two wounds anyway, space marines. Uh,
0: e- yes, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, an additional yeah. wound on the sergeant.
1: Yeah. An additional wound, but that was the battle trait. That if that if that unit's got terminator on us, as we said earlier, when we're talking about assignment and promotion, if you wanted to upgrade it to a first company unit, if you have got that battle trait already, you can upgrade it to play guard or company heroes or terminators for free. So that's quite a useful one to, to give to an infantry yeah. unit should you I, get the chance.
0: Yeah, literally leads into our hero sergeant story. You, you know yeah. you are in after your you know second after your second game of your honor crusade, you've got enough experience to give that unit that battle honor. Now your sergeant's got what? Did you say an extra attack and an extra wound?
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, which means for the next game, possibly two, if you extend your crusade, he's now got extra oomph, you know, to be leading his squad for uh, winning his own glories, and then at the end of that crusade, he can be upgraded to be that blade guard unit, you know, yep. um, for free. So you can literally be like, yeah, this sergeant kill the counterfix, got himself some terminator honors. Now he's a member of the first company in, in this blade guard unit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's How great. How cool is that? It works really well. So, yeah, so that was an infantry and mounted unit one. Um, we've got, um, like I say we've got scout companies, we've got first company units. So let's carry on the uh, the evolution of our blade guard uh, uh, unit that we've been talking about. So the first company units have abiding duty, echoes of the Pri- Primarch, or defenders of humanity. Which one would you like to to hear? Uh
0: there's us Echoes of the Primarch. I'm curious to what that one would yeah. be, actually.
1: Yeah. So once per battle, at the start of the fight phase, this unit can use this ability. If it does, until the end of the turn, weapons equipped by models in this unit have the sustained hits one ability.
2: Ah, oh, nice.
0: So it's, yeah, it, that feels a little bit sort of like the whole Honour the Chapter you know, kind of like yeah. vibes from previous editions. Like, fight harder, fight better. This is the this is the moment the battle turns. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah, it's a nice one. And then we've got vehicle models. They've got three as well. Uh, bellicose machine spirit, resilient machine spirit, or a focus machine spirit. You can give it to. Um...
0: Uh, I'm guessing focused will be something like does for the penalties to fire into combat. <laughs> Something like
1: uh, that. So, this model does not suffer the penalty to its hit rolls for firing at enemy units that are within an engagement range of it. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, there we go.
2: Sounds <laughs> yeah. like I've been doing Resident this long Machine
1: enough Spirit now. <laughs> adds, yeah, Resilience Machine Spirit just adds two to the model's wound characteristic. Um, That's and nice. The, the Bellicose Machine Spirit one, I mean, I don't know how often you're, you're, you're doing this with vehicles, but each time this model makes a charge move, select one melee weapon it is equipped with until the end of the turn add two to the strength characteristic of that weapon. So that's a dreadnought one, isn't it, let's be honest. Can't imagine ah, you course. giving that to your rhinos.
0: The key thing though there is, where, is when does it say that that triggers? The one supposed to do strength so coming?
1: um when it makes a charge move, it's like one yeah. melee weapon it's equipped with.
0: So you can combo that with tank shock?
1: Of course you could, yeah. So yeah, add, because add two to the two time- strength characteristic, yes. Yes, so yeah it like increases
0: work, it? yeah it increases the strength of the melee weapon giving you two additional dice for your tank shocking rolls so you're literally you're charging and slamming in which is why it sounds silly but you might give it to your rhino yes <laughs> because suddenly if you can start actually have it charging and what role maybe i don't know i'm gonna guess nine dice instead of seven for example you know i don't yeah. know what the base strength of a <laughs> rhino is but it, that could make a difference
1: yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so there's definitely ways in which you can upgrade your vehicles as well. So um, that's good. Uh, and then we come to the different types of crusade relics. There are two artificer relics, two antiquity relics, and two legendary relics.
0: Give us give us one of each, then.
1: Okay. So. Um, the so the art, artifice, uh, there's actually three uh, uh, artifice relics, not two. Um, Astartes teleportation transponder. Okay, during the declare battle formation step, if this model is attached to a unit until the end of the battle, that unit has the deep strike ability,
0: right? Yeah, so these are crusade relics, these are just going on characters, but that's yeah. interesting because that means you can deep strike something that isn't terminators, you know, something you could not yes. otherwise. <laughs> so, yeah. your yeah, honor guard of um, a Blade Guard, of a legendary sergeant, are now being joined yep. by the lieutenant, who has recently been promoted to captain and now yep, has a teleporter. Yeah. Yep. Um, and now suddenly you've got okay. teleporting captains with Blade Guard.
1: yeah Um, so um, the antiquity relics, you can either have the Paragon Blade or the Standard of Righteous Hatred. Which one would you like?
0: Um, this is a crusader, like so. Is this limited to is the standard of hatred restricted to a, a company ancient or not?
1: It is, it's ancient it only, is. yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's not a back
0: banner, not, not a space no, marine back banner that, on the side. That would,
1: be, that would be cool, that would be 90s Warhammer all over again, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell, no, us that, it
1: an tell us about that.
0: Which one? The, the standard, ba- the fancy banner, yeah.
1: Right, so ancient model only. While the bearer is leading a unit, add one to the strength characteristic of melee weapons equipped by models in that unit.
0: Okay, but again, on a turn when you're unleashing the echoes of the Primarch, and you're going plus one strength, um, sustain hits, and fight on death on the 4+, plus because you're joined by the fancy banner guy. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good, yeah, lots of things come together. And then we've got... We've got two legendary relics. One's called Vortex Bolt, and one's called Relic of the Primarch.
0: Ah, well, right. Tell us about both, because now you've said Vortex Bolt. I need to know what that is.
1: (laughs) Right, okay. Right, so... um, Select one ranged weapon equipped by the bearer. That weapon is now a crusade relic. Note this on the bearer's crusade card and give that weapon a suitable name. Once per battle, when the bearer shoots with that weapon... You can choose for it to fire a vortex bolt instead of shooting that weapon normally. If it does, resolve that shooting using the following profile. So, range 24 inches, one shot, uh, ballistic skill 2 plus, strength 4, AP 0, damage D3 plus 3. Doesn't sound very good, does it? Okay, anti infantry 3 plus anti-psycha two plus devastating wounds
0: <laughs> okay right yeah so basically if you hit a non-vehicle target in most yeah like an, inf- an infantry target, basically in most yep. cases on a three plus you're just gonna be doing d3 plus three mortals I oh, it yes d3 or did you say 3d3 d3 plus three d3 to plus three four. yeah doing four and six doing, <laughs> to an
1: cool. infantry squad which is pretty good.
0: That's funny. I mean, again, I've got visions now of the uh, the Gravis Apothecary pulling out his revolver, uh, his like revolver pistol, and loading in you know, a vortex yeah. round into the chamber. That's yeah, that's awesome. Um, or conversely, uh, oh, it did. It has its own profile, doesn't it? So, did you say it had a range on it?
1: Yeah, twenty-four inches. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because I was gonna say. Um there was for a moment then I was part of me thinking, isn't there a phobos captain that has a sniper?
1: <laughs> uh I, yes, I think there is, isn't
0: there, yes. There is, but because it has its own weapon profile, obviously yeah. the profile does not it have, have, have precision, precision. does it yeah. <laughs> But that would have been funny. I mean that was something very cool, like to have your like, yes. you know, Raven Guard captain or whatever being, you know what? Right now what this calls for is a vortex shell and just like aiming yeah. down sights at that key target. <laughs> That's yep. very cool, but go and tell us about the Relic of the Primarch as well, because so Relic, yeah, so. Relic of
1: the Primarch. So, uh, I mean, this is quite interesting. So, once per battle in your command phase, the bearer can unveil the Relic of the Primarch. If it does, until the start of your next command phase, the bearer has the following ability: Relic of the Primarch Aura. While a friendly Adeptus Astartes unit is within six inches of this model, add one to the attack's characteristics of melee weapons equipped by models in that unit. Okay? So yeah. add one to attacks for all, all units within six inches of the, of the holder. If the bearer is destroyed, after removing it from play, set up one new objective marker as close as possible to the bearer's last location. This represents the relic of the Primarch you immediately gain the Recover the Relic agenda, in addition to any other agendas being used for this battle. And that agenda is at the end of the battle. If you control the Relic of the Primark objective marker, you can select one unit from your Crusade army that is within three inches of that objective marker. That unit gains three XP. If you do not control that objective marker at the end of the battle, you use 10 VP to a minimum of zero.
0: (laughs) Oh. That's interesting. So technically Yeah. That that is our first ever agenda that actually affects the score of the game. It actually yes. affects victory
2: points.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's so really cool.
2: You,
1: yeah, so you know, run in with that captain with the relic of the Primark and make everybody better, but if he dies, you better be staying where you are. <laughs>
0: you'll definitely then become a um, an insurmountable bulwark or whatever it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's just uh... Yeah. Personally, I think the Vortex shell is just funnier. Yeah. <laughs> but I th- I the relic of totally is
1: very cool. Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it adds a different uh, bit of flavour to every game, doesn't it? I suppose... Uh...
0: I mean you know. the relic of the primarch does offer a, fun, a modeling opportunity because you could project you could make your own unique objective marker for it. Yes. Um, perhaps, perhaps so much yeah. so with an actual injured version of your character model on that <laughs> base.
1: Yeah. That might be quite cool as well. Hi. Right. Cool. right. So okay. yes. So then the only other thing I think and I think this is a new thing in um Crusade rules now, and I think Dan alluded to, to the Tyranids having them as well, but there are some Crusade badges that you can get um, depending on how well you've done. Um, so, when your Crusade Force accomplishes specific long-term goals, you can earn the Crusade badges below, representing your warrior's successes over many battles. So, there's a bronze ah, one. Yes.
0: This is the um, called... Codex, Ach- Codex Achievements, isn't it, basically?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... The bronze one is Oathsworn Crusaders, and you get that if you've completed one Oathsworn campaign and promoted one or more characters to Chapter Command, and you've won two or more battles. Nice. Uh, And then the silver... Yep, the silver one's called Oathsworn Victors, and that's you've completed three Oathsworn campaigns and promoted two or more characters, you've won six or more battles, you've replaced one or more units as described in the Reserve and Battle Company assignment section. So... You've got to win lots there. You've got to promote a couple of characters and you've got to change one of your um, units. And then the, the the Oathsworn Veterans one's fairly similar, but you've got to have taken part in five campaigns, won 10 or more battles and replaced three or more units um, as, as you're expected to do in the battle company assignment or first company promotion sections. Mm. So a little thing to keep you building towards some kind of little badge there. yeah i I think i think
0: these are actually one of the more interesting little additions to like the evolution of crusade in 10th edition because they don't have any mechanical you know effect on the game and there's no sort of like there's not a lot of tracking them as you're playing it's just stuff like you know how many games have you won you know for example yeah um but i think this really gives you a little to-do list do you know what I mean? Like as yes. you're playing through your campaign, like have I promoted enough units yet? Have I transferred something from one, one company to another? Do I need to win two more games? Otherwise, I'm not going to hit my threshold of six games, like six victories. Yeah. So, actually, I think on a personal level, that gives you something to really aim for, from um, yeah. like across your campaign as you're playing, and it's just a little like I'd say checklist of basically is everything generally going to plan? You know with some wiggle room for you know um uh, setbacks here and there
1: yeah yeah it's just a little something extra to, to keep an eye on isn't it just you know so that you when you start your next one campaign you're thinking well what have I got to achieve this time so they don't then there's no detriment to having them so I think they're quite nice.
0: Well, I think it's fair to say, and you'll you'll have to tell us how the uh, the space wolves fare in the near future, and uh, whether or not they will be uh, venturing on any particular crusades to, to earn honor in their in their chapter's name.
1: Yeah, I'll have to see what what, what I can do. Um, see how it goes. Um, it's it's a it's a while out till any space wolf uh, codex or specific crusade rules come out, so I think we'll have to stick I with mean, what we've got.
0: I'm wondering if that's a sign that maybe Space Wolves might get a bit of a Ranger overhaul this edition. The fact that yeah. you're further down the docket and you might get, you know, some some new primaris versions of your units. You know, if we're starting to see things yeah. like, you know, the Black Templars got theirs in ninth edition and Um, it's yet to be seen if Dark Angels or Blood Angels are gonna get anything, but who knows, you know, you might get your Primaris Wolf Guard, your um Sky Claws, your Scout Veterans, um what else yeah. is Wolf your Thunderwolf cavalry, you know, for example.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't imagine how much bigger they're gonna be.
1: <laughs> well, gonna be. I mean they're fairly big models already, so
0: That's what I mean. If they're scaled up another like, you know, ten, twenty percent to be a primaris version. <laughs> they're gonna be huge. Mm. Um well yeah, I mean so this is so that's we've covered now both of the current 10th edition codexes and their crusade rules and it's interesting how you know dan sort of basically said the tyranid ones hadn't really changed very much in concept they just updated to 10th edition language and incorporating the new detachment system that exists in 10th edition whereas I think it's fair to say the Space Marine one has been a very clear and welcome evolution of the system for them. Like there's actually a significant, yeah. you know, portion to it now that exists.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. It feels so much better um, when you think about what other armies were getting towards the end of ninth, like the the Demon one with the with the great game going on and um, the. Eldar one, where they were taking the paths and the Chaos Space Marine ones, you know, the the Space Marine one just felt a little bit. I mean, it was obviously the first one, wasn't it? Um, and they obviously got their mojo a bit as they, the more they did it, but um, it it never felt like they they tried to correct that in the same way they did with Necrons. So um, this is definitely 100 percent better, isn't it? So, I mean, he is
0: hoping you get more than just grand names for your warlords and your necrons.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what what we're what we're gonna get when the codex comes out in the next few weeks. Like, like you say, the the names were, were great, but it didn't really do a great deal to the uh, to the army over time, other than made it make filling the sheet out a little bit longer and more hard work. <laughs> I mean, or if he was introducing this, someone to your opponent, it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
0: I do think this is a, a really good sign, though, for Crusade um, going forwards, because I think there's two key takeaways for this from the Space Marine ones and that is, uh One, the Crusade is not just being continued for the sake of it, which there could be a yeah. little bit of an argument to be made that that was the case with the Tyranids. It was very much just, here's the system they had in Ninth. Here it is in 10th, with the language reworked so it works in 10th. To see that the Space Marines haven't just received the same treatment, and it's not just, here's what you had, but now in 10th version, there's actually been a clear amount of thought and effort and evolution put into their rules, means that Crusade rules across factions are hopefully open to that same level of development and improvement, not just rehashing for the new edition. Which is good. And secondly, the fact that the campaigns are only cited as being free games. Sort of like bringing down the total number of games for things to start rolling. I think is going to be a welcome change for a lot of people who either haven't played Crusade before, and maybe this is a reason to try it, or people who didn't get to play as much of it as they wanted in 9th, be it because of life getting in the way or global pandemics making it very difficult to play. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So, yeah. cutting it down to something more manageable like that, I mean, the Chaos Demon one required you to play eight games to complete a round of the Great Game, whereas you'd have yeah. done practically all three of the Space Marine Crusades in that time. Yeah. So, maybe seeing a bit faster evolution of the Crusade forces in terms of number of games is better for the majority of people. Um, I'm, I'm sure there might be some people out there who are playing multiple Crusader games a week, and it might seem yeah. perhaps it's too fast for them. But maybe that just gives them the opportunity to cycle between factions a bit more, you know. Yeah. And...
1: I think if you've got multiple armies, um, one thing I found difficult was putting time between the five different armies that I got. Um, mm. You know, I don't get to play as often as I would like. So the idea of playing eight with games with my demons and you know 5 or 6 games with my space wolves and uh, to 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 really feel like the army was progressing was was quite time consuming this idea that you could perhaps if you get a regular game see some improvements and finish sort of part of the narrative journey every 3 or 4 games is really really good uh, i think it will keep more people interested and involved
0: yeah i mean if you if you're the kind of player that has the opportunity to attend a weekly gaming club Needing to play free games means you can do a campaign in a week. Uh, sorry, a campaign yeah. in a month, and yeah. even take one week off. You know, the, the one week you don't get yeah. to the club that month is fine because you still finish your campaign in
1: a month. Yep, it'd definitely be useful. Um, I like the idea of shorter because I was just—I'll just be able to cycle through different factions, um, different armies and and share the wealth a little bit i feel like yeah. um if someone's coming around i've got to play another game with my necrons because that was the last army i played with and there's a couple of units that were nearly there but not quite
0: well speaking of sharing the wealth i would like to say thank you for coming and helping me out with this episode tonight Sharpie.
1: you're very welcome
0: yeah um it's been great to have you on and been able to talk all about, you know, the new and improved Space Marine Crusade rules. Uh, and hopefully the listeners have enjoyed it and perhaps will, you know, have an opportunity to pick up some Space Marine Crusades of their own in the near future. Or are looking forward to their own Factory's Crusade rules coming out in the near future when we'll do our best to cover them as well. I think it's fair to say we will probably have a Necron episode. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: wow. I mean I would be I'd love to be involved. Um one of my favourites. <laughs>
0: Um, and, yeah, if, if you have enjoyed listening tonight, then please do give us a like and a subscribe or a review on whatever the podcast platform you're listening on. And, yeah, and do stay tuned for more uh, Crusade coverage from us in the near future. Um, and, yeah, some, some other interesting episodes coming um, down the pipeline as well. So, yeah, uh, as always, if you do enjoy the show and like what we do, then we do have a Patreon where you can go support us there as well. Um, it does help pay for things like hosting of the podcast and using the software that we use to record and all the rest of it. And it's incredibly helpful. Um, and if you do want to support the channel as well, um, we have an affiliate link with Element Games. So uh, you can that'll be in the description below. You can use that. Anything that you buy through that affiliate link um, helps give us a little kickback that helps uh, with the show as well. So, yeah. Um, and... It will have been on screen at this point for viewers over on YouTube, but where can people find you, Sharpie, if they do want to see the sort of things that you're up to and your your own hobby endeavours?
1: Oh, Almost exclusively on Instagram. Um, I'm j.sharp, that's with an E, 0608. Um, I've, I post mainly hobby stuff and pictures of games that I've played recently and stuff that I've painted. So you can find me there.
0: Awesome. And as always, you can find me um, at Narrative Wargamer on most platforms, um, certainly Instagram, Facebook. um, We have a Discord channel as well. And obviously on YouTube, if you are listening on podcasting platforms. So yeah, um, we've got all sorts of fun stuff going up over there and hopefully some, some exciting new ventures in the future as well. Um, so yeah thank you everybody for listening tonight Uh, I hope you are enjoying 10th edition as much as we are and hopefully you'll be enjoying some more Crusade games in the future so uh, yeah once again thank you Sharpie for joining me tonight
1: yeah it's been a pleasure as always
0: Uh, and until next time guys this has been the Narrative WarGamer Podcast helping you discover more ways to play 40 games